0: Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, aka Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number one hundred and three. Let's roll! And man, oh man, it's like uh, it's the Nick Cage with his eyes closed and long hair, just in euphoria. That's Jax Falcone tonight. Allowing himself to just be so immersed in the Gabe Davis, unbelievable. Uh, I tweeted just before the game, uh, you know, plus one thousand, basically ten to one odds that Gabe Davis would be the uh, first touchdown score. It made sense too. I mean, you know, it's either going to be Stafford or Josh Allen throwing a touchdown pass. It felt like, and if it was, if it was, uh, if it was Stafford, it was probably going to be Cup. And if it was, uh, you know, if it was. Josh Allen was probably going to be Gabe Davis or Steph Diggs. I figured one out of three of those guys would score. Felt like good odds to get 10 to 1. Put a little cool C note on it, and, and it it cashed so, so pure. I mean, it was felt so good to watch that touchdown happen. I was screaming and hollering. My kids were wondering what the hell was going on. But my goodness, that was nice. Gabe Davis, truthers, one. Gabe Davis, deniers, zero. Eat it. Gabe Davis coming through on five targets, four for 88 and a touch. Um, Buffalo Bills looked really good. By the way, Rams, eh, not looking so sweet. Uh, On the flip side of my Gabe Davis love is the Cam Akers, three carries, zero yards, no targets. Woof. Uh, So that was ugly. But, excuse me, a lot of stuff was ugly for them. You know, I, I do think um, Daryl Henderson obviously outplayed him, but again, 13 carries for 47 yards, not exactly a, a game-breaker. You know, five targets, five catches, 26 yards. I, I don't know. The, the Rams were out of sorts. I thought their offensive line looked shaky, but um, the 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 Buffalo Bills just absolutely rolling in game one. But uh, the real reason you're here is so that you can hear the the beautiful podcast that I'm going to put together. But we're gonna roll into week one, and it's uh it's it's the greatest guest of all time. The man, the myth, the legend. Joining me today, this evening, is none other than Jax Falcone. So let's let's roll into week one with a big, big Gabe Davis chub. Let's do it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask myself some very simple questions from each game heading into week one. Uh, th- what I'm going to be looking at is kind of the matchup to watch, uh, n- not offense defense. I'm talking about like, you know, as, as an example, um, you know, Michael Gallup versus CD lamb, that's not one of them, but like, you know, which guy, which guy's going to be, you know, the, the guy that steps forward or something like that. So that's what I'm going to be looking at the matchup to watch, um, for, for fantasy and for dynasty, uh, and then players on the rise. I think this is a big one, you know, before week one, you know, a lot of times we have these rankings, uh, ADPs, all this stuff. And then after week one, that shit just goes haywire. You're like, oh, didn't see this guy coming. And that's the type of thing I want to look at. And then probably just sort of a final point, maybe just a little bit of a, a quick call on the game as to whether or not I like, um, you know, which side I like, uh, especially against the points or something like that. Just a just a final point. So we're going to go through all the games and kind of do that, you know, match up to watch, player on the rise and, and uh, takeaway. Um, so without further ado, Let's get on to week one. We'll start with New England at Miami. But before we do, let's open the week. You guys ready? Listen. Hold on. Yeah. Let's do it. Week one, baby. Mm. Tastes so good as soon as it hits your lips. You know what I mean? Frank the Tank in the house. Uh, New England at Miami. I would love to say that I love New England this year. as I, I did say it last year. Everybody was down on New England and I was kind of up on them. And this year it's a little bit of the the reverse. I think they are a 500 team. So, you know, that's my final, final answer for this new England team. I just don't think they've got what it takes to be, uh, you know, a 10, 11, 12 or more win team. I think they're, you know, seven, eight, nine win team. So, eh, what are you going to do? But new England in Miami, uh, matchup to watch here for sure with, especially with new England is this backfield, uh, Damian Harris versus Ramondre Stevenson. You know how do they choose to break this up? Does one of these guys sort of take the lead? You know, obviously, I think if if one of these guys gets a, you know, we're we're looking at uh, Harris versus Ramondre as sort of like Melvin Gordon Javante last year, where it's 50 They both kind of get their things, but neither one of them is, uh, you know, this lead back that takes the reins. Well, that could change right after week one, so we definitely want to keep an eye on that as uh, obviously I'm very well invested in Ramondre, but not very well invested in Damian Harris. But Damian Harris, as I've mentioned before on this show, is a beast and could certainly, you know, escape with the lead role in New England. We don't even know who's calling the plays in New England, so we'll have to see exactly how that pans out. In Miami, you know, I'm looking at uh, at the slot snaps. You know, uh, we, we, we know this team. I mean, Chase Edmonds is the lead back and, Ty Hill and Jalen Waddle are the two main receivers and two wide receiver sets, and you know they're going to play two tight end, uh, which would kind of be a Durham Smythe and you know Mike Kosicki, or are they going to play sort of a three wide, which would be Durham Smythe and uh, and uh, you know uh, Cedric Wilson? So between Cedric Wilson and Mike Kosicki, I think that's an interesting one to see who plays more snaps, how much of you know one package or the other do they play. Uh, that's going to be a very, very big thing to watch. I think players on the rise, you know, I'm looking at Chase Edmonds here. You know, right now he's, you know, outside the top 30 dynasty running backs and, you know, usually a fringe RB2, RB3 uh, drafted and redraft and, um, and best ball. But I've seen him climbing, um, you know, I, th- I think I saw him drafted like ahead of J.K. Dobbins and best ball. And like he's going way up now. And I think that's right. I think we might see J.A. Uh, excuse me. Um, Chase Edmonds sort of break out in this one, and on the other side, very interesting for me. I think it could be Johnu Smith. I mean, we're going to get to these New England weapons here in a quick second with my final thought, but you know, Johnu Smith. Um, you know, if you look at the let's let's just go this way. If you look at the New England weapons, none of them have any sort of high draft capital. Like none of them, uh, you know, in, in 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 redraft or best ball, they're you know, you're talking about. Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar. So I suppose any one of those guys could sort of spike. But if for whatever reason, Johnu were to get a a bit of usage, he has been getting a lot of targets in the preseason. If that sort of continues and we see Johnu sort of take off, I mean, he could really spike going forward. Uh, Miami at home favored by three and a half. I really like Miami. No, I can't do it. God dang it. I mean, here I am, you know, picking Miami at home. We always go down to Miami and lose. We're going to lose. We're going to get smoked. This is going to be hot, humid. We're going to lose. Miami, give the points. Just take Miami. This is so bad. I hate my life. Speaking of hating my life, Michael P. Duncan's team, Philadelphia at Detroit. Wow. Philadelphia's got to go in there and win, but I'm going to get there. I'm not sure that they will. I think the uh, matchup to watch is that Philadelphia backfield and whether or not Kenny Gainwell or Boston Scott gets more looks behind Miles Sanders. Who gets the goal line? Who gets the pass down work? You know, Boston Scott was sneaky last year and they kept him around. They cut everybody else. They did bring in Trey Sermon. I don't think he means much. A lot of people drafting Kenny Gainwell, including myself in a few spots way above where he might end up at the end of the season. I mean, if he's just a sort of a Naheem Hines back and is not going to get any meaningful touches um, you know, during the course of the game. And that's just Sanders and Scott. It's going to be very interesting. So I'm going to be watching those snaps. By the way, Dwayne McFarlane and Ian Hartitz did a show for the last couple of years that I absolutely loved, which was, you know, the sort of Monday recap or Tuesday, whatever day it was, but it was right after. And they go over all of the long down and distance, third down, pass down, two minute, hurry up, uh, all the usage, goal line, et cetera for all the different players throughout the, throughout the league. And it was the best show and, uh, absolutely love it. But Dwayne McFarlane, congratulations, uh, got, uh, picked up by fantasy life. And so I, I guess we're not going to see that show or hear that show anymore, but, uh, keep an eye out for Dwayne McFarlane, whatever he does. So I uh, hope you do that show, Dwayne, if you're listening, I'm sure you're not, but if you are do that show, cause it's really helpful to everybody. Um, but I'm going to be looking at that type of data, uh, for Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders for that matter. In Detroit, you got to look at, yeah, look, we know TJ Hawkinson, starting tight end, right? We know Amon Ra, slot, got it. We know DeAndre Swift, dude, he's a stud. He's going to get targets. But that secondary wide receiver, Josh Reynolds versus DJ Chark. And that kind of brings me to the, I think the player on the rise could be DJ Chark. Uh, DJ Chark, sort of the forgotten man in um, in Detroit, um, you know, he, he, uh, he had a really good early breakout and then got hurt and then got, you know, moved to a different team here, he, you know, here he is with an opportunity. I think DJ Chark has a, has a, a lot of opportunity in front of him until Jameson Williams gets back. So DJ Chark, if he were to have a game where he's, you know, seven catches, 90 and a touch, he's going to shoot up, uh, up boards and his value is going to increase big time. So Definitely, a little pre-week one trade would be to, you know, quietly acquire DJ Chark if you could in a trade. I think the uh, the 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 Chark manager would be very easy to wrestle him away from. The takeaway I've got from this one is Detroit is maybe sneaky good, and uh, they've got one of the best offensive lines in the league. They've also built correctly. They they took uh, Penny Sewell last year. They took. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson this year, excuse me, building through the lines. They could be really good. I like Detroit plus four at home. Uh, I think they've got a chance to win this game outright. Excuse me. Their defense is probably a little underrated. I think they're going to come out fired up. I mean, they are, they have the same record as everybody else in the league. I think there's a lot of belief in that locker room that they're good. Uh, If Jared Goff can just play okay, mistake-free football, I think the rest of the roster is not bad. The rest of the roster is pretty good. This Detroit team is, is not an awful team. Um, they're going to be competitive all year, and they're going to be a tough, tough out and a really tough place for Philadelphia to go play in week one. I'm liking Detroit getting four points at home. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens here. Michael P. Duncan cursing in the green room right now. Uh, moving on to Indianapolis at Houston. Indianapolis at Houston. You know, the matchup to watch for me all offseason, and it will be super intriguing to watch week one, will be that sort of second passing option behind Michael Pittman. You know, you can't just have one receiver. The reason that Michael Pittman's so popular is that nobody can think about think about who the second wide receiver is. I mean, you ask the you know, obviously you guys know all the all the all the names, but you ask like a a, a regular uh fantasy. Player and they'll be like, oh, it's T.Y. Hilton? Who the fuck is it? Uh, you know, so it's really going to be that that Dame uh excuse me, yeah. I almost said Damian Pierce, Alec Pierce, Ashton Doolin, Paris Campbell, Michael Trashcan, which one of those four guys steps up and uh and, and, and plays more snaps, gets more targets, and actually makes an impact on this game. My money's on Paris Campbell, but honestly, it could be any one of those four guys, and I would not be surprised. They don't have a tight end of note, could be Mo Ali Cox, right? So very very interesting. I also think that that's sort of the the player on the rise is whomever comes out of that. I, my my money's on Mo Cox or Paris Campbell, but I mean it could be any one of those. Could be Doolin. Could be Trash Can. For all we know, obviously, me and Michael P Duncan have the hundred dollar bet on more fantasy points this year. Trash Can or Doolin. So we'll have to see uh, who. Wins that one, obviously. Let's go, Ashton Doolin. But um, but I think that's where you got to look in this game. And if you're trying to make a preemptive move, you know, put your chips on the guy you like, whether it's Doolin or Trashcan or or Paris Campbell. It doesn't really matter. Um, if you know if you hit right there, you're going to get some increased value outside of week one. Um, but the guy who's going to dominate the game is Jonathan Taylor. That Houston defense still very very weak. Not a lot going on in that Houston defense. I think Jonathan Taylor. Easily, the, the running back won in week one. I think they're going to lean on him and, and, uh, yeah, watch out for JT in week one. He could have a big one. Um, Houston, um, I think it's the pass down work for the running back, right? We all love Damian Pierce. I, I'm, I'm in. He's a rugged north south runner with shiftiness, tackle breaking. They say he can pass block. He, he actually was a pretty good receiver at Florida. Um, you know, especially on uh, if you look at the uh, advanced efficiency as a pass catcher, he didn't have big numbers, but he didn't have big numbers at anything because he didn't play as much. What the hell is wrong with Florida, by the way? I don't know, but um, <clears throat> but if he can get the pass down work, then that this is a big difference in his value this year. If they take him off the field and on pass downs, and they use some you know combination of a Wale and Rex Burkhead as their pass down players, it could happen early in Week One, and then he could sort of take over that pass down work. But if he has that pass down work, or at least a good portion of it in week one, Damian Pierce could really be a a running back one, uh, certainly a running back two for sure this season. And uh, if he's not, man, it's a big disappointment because you really don't want an early down grinder on a bad offense. I mean, that's not what you're looking for in fantasy, a team that's not going to score too many touchdowns and move the ball very effectively compared to the rest of the league. You don't want that running back. So I do want to see some pass down work from Mr. Damian Pierce. The, uh, the player on the rise for Houston. It's going to be interesting. Could be a, a number of guys. Obviously Nico Collins is one of those guys, but I'm thinking Brevin Jordan, you know, he, he's the type of player that's sort of that move uh, tight end. They still have Farrell Brown. They brought in OJ Howard. So he's kind of, shrouded in uncertainty going forward but as a second year player he's very athletic and I think they might be looking for him as sort of a slot player they don't have very much depth which is why they brought in Tyler Johnson uh what is it Corey Moore or whatever the hell his stupid name is uh there's not much there after Nico and, and and uh and Cooks so it could be Brevin Jordan sort of playing a hybrid slot tight end role so I would look for Brevin Jordan to be that uh that uh that breakout player in week one, potentially in terms of this game, Indianapolis at Houston Colts giving seven. I think I'd rather just give the seven, uh, but it's not so good. The interesting thing for me is, you know, Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan versus Carson Wentz, you know, Carson Wentz is gets a bad rap and, you know, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but uh how much of an upgrade is, is Matt Ryan? We all think it is an upgrade, but to what degree could spell this team? And, and what they're able to do. I, I don't like giving seven, uh you know, to a home dog. I, I just don't like it. So I'd, I'd probably stay away from this game for sure. If I were betting it, but um you know, JT going to run all over that defense. It could get ugly. Uh, also Indianapolis defense, very good. So I don't know. I don't love Houston. Uh I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't love Houston in the game, but seven points is a lot to give up at home. Moving on to Cleveland at Carolina. We're going to breeze through some of these games. we got some big ones later in the afternoon. But Cleveland at Carolina, um, the matchup that I'm going to be watching with Cleveland is that sort of David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. We've talked about it a bunch. They only kept two tight ends. That means I think they're both going to play. Um, you know, Stefanski does like to run that two tight end set. Uh, Harrison Bryant could, hey, he could play about as much as David Njoku, and he certainly could find some targets in this game. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how Cleveland, um, you know, you uh, Deploys those two players in this offense. Very, very interesting. You know, with with um, you know, the quarterback that they're going to be putting out there. Again, I almost said David Garrard. It's unbelievable. Jacoby Brissett. I don't know why I get that that name in my head, but uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, it, they're going to want to keep it close to the close to the vest. I think you're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I don't think they're too afraid of getting blown out of the water uh, by Baker Mayfield offensively. So it's going to be a low scoring game. By the way over under a 42 in this game. This is not the game you want to be. Uh, this is my uh, a big takeaway in this game is you don't want to be playing uh, the, the, the offensive players in this game. I mean, if you're splitting the difference, if there was a player in this game, I'd go with the other guy, like, right? you know, DJ Moore or just go with whoever else you've got closer. I, I just don't want to be heavily invested in this game because I think they're both not afraid of the other team's offense. So they're both more likely to play it Conservatively and not want to make a uh, you know big big play in terms of turnovers, so I think you're going to see more conservative play calling, Chubb, CMC, this type of thing. Uh, in terms of Carolina, huh, of course, the big one is LaVisca versus Terrace Marshall, right? You know we've got this sort of um, you know Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, CMC situation kind of solved. It's like, hey, who's that third wide receiver? It could be Richard Higgins, but uh, LaVisca Chenault versus Terrace Marshall. Who gets the playing time? Does either one of them break out or break through? Uh, I do know that the public prefers LaVisca, but uh, we'll see, man. Stranger things have happened. Let's see what happens there. Um, in terms of a breakout player, it's it, I, I like David Bell a whole lot. Again, with Jacoby Brissett, not David Garrard, but Jacoby Brissett, He's going to want to keep it close to the line of scrimmage. He does not throw the ball downfield. So I want to look for those guys who are close to the line of scrimmage. DPJ, Anthony Schwartz, even Amari Cooper, mid-range downfield. I don't think he's going to be targeting those guys as much as we would like to see. So I think he's going to be going close to the line of scrimmage. We're going to be seeing him target David Bell, who can get open quickly. He's an excellent route runner close to the line of scrimmage, a la a former Brown, Jarvis Landry. I think David Bell could be a fast riser after week one on Carolina. Hey, my man, Michael B. Duncan, Tommy Tremble, making some noise. Sounds like the clear starter for that team. As he points out, he can block. So Tommy Tremble, keep your eye on him, but stay away from this game. Over under a 42. Woof. San Francisco 49ers at Chicago Bears. San Francisco at Chicago. Uh, Look, matchup to watch for San Francisco. I'm curious to see how, like, for instance, who is the first running back off the bench, right? Jeff Wilson, TDP, my boy, Jordan Mason. I mean, who knows, right? It'd be very interesting to see what they do with that running back share. I mean, you're probably going to hear that a lot in this podcast because honestly, it's very important. You know, how does the how does the team view their running back room, right? Like in Pittsburgh, it's like Najee's going to get everything. Yeah, maybe one of those guys will play a little bit Snell or Warren or whatever, but it's like we already kind of know. And we'd be terribly surprised if Najee didn't get like, you know, almost all of it. But in some of these other rooms where you're a little unsure, Hey, man, you want to know which guy is the handcuff. And in this case, there's all four of them. If Elijah Mitchell were to blow his knee out on the first play, I have no clue who's going to lead that backfield. Like, literally no clue. Um, they kept Jordan Mason because they like him, so maybe they love him. You know, they did the same type of thing with Elijah Mitchell last year, so there's really no idea. So you want to watch that backfield to see who's that second guy off the off, off the bench, first guy off the bench, and who gets those high leverage down distance plays. I think it'll be veteran deference and it's probably Jeff Wilson to start, but I'm just going to keep an eye on it. That's the one I want to watch. In Chicago, of course, they're loaded with weapons Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Yeah, okay. But wide receiver two, the second sort of or third passing target on that team is a mystery. And I want to see what happens. And it's like uh, Equinemius, Pringle, Valus Jones. Amir Smith Marset, like I don't know, none of these guys are probably any good, and they'll probably all be irrelevant. But I want to see who plays. Look, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, a fan of Equinemius just because I think he can show the highest upside of these players. In other words, he's a big, strong, fast, athletic guy. Obviously, he's Amon Ra's brother. Some some familial uh, you know lineage there. So I think his dad was like Mr. Universe. His mom was like a world class Olympian. Just you know, let's face it. This kid's got it uh, in his blood now. Whether or not he's a good player or not, I don't know. But he's shown flashes even with uh, Green Bay. So equanimous with an opportunity, you could do worse. And if he can show out in week one, <clears throat> excuse me, I think he's the guy that, that you could be chasing there. Um, In San Francisco, I don't know. Maybe it's like uh, Juwan Jennings or, or Danny Gray, but I'm not sure there's very much there in San Francisco. It's just going to be um, – Fields versus Lance in this one, you know, these, these two guys that were, you know, sort of linked at least in the dynasty community, right? We were all like, who do you prefer fields or Lance, Lance or fields? Well, now they play week one. And what's crazy, you know, Trey Lance will be out there on the road, but with one of the most loaded rosters offense and defense in this NFL. Right. And then fields will be out there with arguably the worst roster in the NFL. I mean, you know everybody's worst offensive line. I mean, it's probably the worst roster in the NFL. It's certainly bottom five, unequivocally, and maybe the worst roster in the NFL. New coaching staff. There's no consistency. There's nothing for them to rely on. Whereas on the other side, you have like arguably a top five coach, maybe the you know smartest offensive mind, and all this sort of thing in Shanahan. So just the disparity of what is being handed to Fields and Lance and how Fields has to go out there and sort of defend defend the home turf with a bunch of ragtags. So, you know, this is going to be a very interesting game for that reason. I just – I'm literally I, – I don't pray very often, but I'm praying for Justin Fields, man. Oh, my God. Really, really rough stuff for him as he's got to go up against a, a, a really strong defense with absolutely no one on his side in week one. Oh, by the way, uh, San Francisco uh, favored by seven on the road. How could you possibly like Chicago? I mean, oh my God, uh, I, I I would be happily laying the points and just taking, you know, the San Francisco roster over the Chicago Bears roster. So I don't know, we'll see, man. Good luck to you, Chicago. Love you. Uh, moving on to Jacksonville Jaguars at the Washington Seawards. That's what I call them now, the Washington Seawards. I'm not giving them any, any credit. Uh, credit also a C word. Um, in Jacksonville, the matchup to watch for me, I think it's for everybody. Travis Etienne, James Robinson. How do they deploy Travis Etienne? How do they utilize James Robinson? James Robinson coming off the Achilles. Is he healthy? How does he look? Uh, does he play a, a couple snaps and like, you know, they move him aside and it's all ETN all day. Is it a 50, 50 backfield? Does Etienne play out of the slot or does he not get any targets? Like, you know, how are they going to utilize these guys? Now we have a little bit of a creative offensive mind and Doug Peterson. So, I'm really, really interested to see what happens with ETN and James Robinson in with Jacksonville visiting Washington. On the flip side, it's, you know, matchup to watch. Look, it's, it's Antonio Gibson versus the world, right? I mean, he's already taken out Brian Robinson, Tanya Harding style. That's done. So he's got one down. They bring in another guy. You know, now they got McKissick. I mean, Gibson carving out a nice role. But it is going to be interesting to see how they use him, right? Do they use him in pass down work? <laughs> is he returning punts and shit? You know, like, I don't know. It's just going to be very interesting to see what they do with with Antonio Gibson. You know, and he's got a pretty good matchup. I mean, I don't think there's very many uh, spots you'd rather see your running back in than home against the Jaguars, right? I mean, I know the Jaguars are improved, but it's got to be one of the top five best matchups you'd want as a, as a running back. They sh- they're favored at home, right? How often is Washington going to be favored? They're favorite at home. Home favorites. That's where uh, running backs find the 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 best um, uh, points when they're when they're home favorites, right? So, I I I like Antonio Gibson this week, and if he shows himself out, he could he could certainly up his value. The guy I really think can up his value is Jahan Dotson. He seems like the clear number two in the pass game there, um, and so I'm I'm keeping my eye on Jahan Dotson. Uh, the beat reporters in Washington really like him. I know that the Dynasty community, including myself, have soured on him a little bit. But you know what? This kid's probably pretty good. I mean, he's not too small. And I'll tell you, you know, Carson Wentz is the sort of my takeaway here. Carson Wentz getting the revenge game. This was the he played Jacksonville week 17 last year. Here was his line. 17 of 29, 185 yards, one touch, one pick, one fumble lost, six sacks and a loss to knock themselves out of the playoffs woof. He played pretty well other than that all season, which is kind of the the worst part of Carson Wentz, just literally not coming through when they needed him most, just like when uh, they needed Nick Foles to win the Super Bowl. He probably would have lost that one for you, Michael P. Duncan. Wentz would have been an abject disaster in the playoffs. They needed a big Dick Nick to take it over. So Washington at home, boy, oh boy, I, I, I do like Washington to win this game. I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, putting my money on a Jacksonville team that Just was an embarrassment last year. Despite some of their improvements, I don't think I want them as a road anything. Get them out of here. So interesting to see what happens with Carson Wentz because Sam Howell and Tyler Haneke, but mostly Sam Howell, lurking in the background. Pittsburgh at the Super Bowl losers Cincinnati Bengals. Both these teams, in my opinion, are somewhat solved equations, right? You know, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, slot. Joe Mixon gets mostly all of it. Same thing on the other side, right? Claypool, Deontay, Pickens, Friarmouth tight end. Najee gets it all. <clears throat> so I don't think there's a lot to look at in terms of like matchups. It's like we kind of know what's going to happen in terms of, you know, playing time and all that sort of thing. I think at Pittsburgh, though, I am curious to see the slot snaps. And who plays in that slot because that's going to be a spot where I think, you know, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett, I think they're going to be looking middle of the field. You know, neither guy is that skilled at throwing to the outside on target. So, um, or at least we assume that Pickett might not be uh, early on in his career. Certainly, Trubisky has not shown that uh, propensity. So whoever gets those slot snaps I think is definitely a, a player that we want to keep our eye on going forward um and I'm I'm going to tell you right now I think it's going to be Chase Claypool and he's my actual uh the the sort of the the player on the rise there I mean his his ADP is is awful I mean he is he is way way down near player 100 in redraft I mean just way down the board so he was the the hotness after his rookie year and somehow lost lost everything like don't, i don't know man i was never all that high on him when everybody had him as like a top you know 15 <laughs> dynasty wide receiver but now i think the hate's gone too far so I, I like chase claypool in his in his position here uh you know one of three main wide receivers in this in this uh in this room and you know pickens is as cool as he is plays on the outside not sure how many outside targets there'll be to go around and i really like that slot that slot role for for chase claypool in cincinnati i look at like um You know, just to watch just for fun is Chase versus Higgins. I just think that's going to be a fun one all year. You know, um, I think Higgins is a real dog and he's going to get a a ton of targets. He was targeted just as much as Chase when they're on the field together. So I think when it comes right down to it, they're going to be a whole lot closer uh, than people think, but you know, week one, it, you know, let's face it, it's going to be a random outcome. It could be, you know, chase goes for 200 and two touchdowns and Higgins only has 10 yards or somewhat vice versa. And all of a sudden, Oh, his Higgins better than chase, you know, that whole thing. That's going to be, that's going to be coming out of this. You know, it's very unlikely. They both have seven for 100 and a touchdown. You know what I mean? So that'll be fun. Uh, the player watching Cincinnati is probably Hayden Hurst, you know, tight end, um, you know, they they haven't really had a, a receiving tight end. I know Uzoma was OK, but, you know, Hayden Hurst could step up and do what Uzoma did. Plus, so keep an eye on Hayden Hurst, who's also deep, deep down the board um, in terms of tight end value, both in dynasty and redraft. So the big one was Trubisky, though. You know, I was wondering about Trubisky. I was thinking about it, <clears throat> you know. Uh, how bad is he going to be? Am I going to bet against this team? Bengals are <clears throat> giving seven to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm like, man, Trubisky on the road. Are you are you willing to take six with Trubisky on the road against the Super Bowl, you know, losing uh, Bengals? I mean, this is a good team, this Bengals team. Then I thought, was Trubisky any good at any point ever? Like, what's the revisionist history? Like right now, we're like, Trubisky's awful. But if we go back... And we just look at 2018 and 2019. You're never going to believe this. 2018 and 2019. I'm going to read you the list of the most winning quarterbacks in those two years, 2018-2019. You ready for this? This is unbelievable. Number 1, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes with 23. Number number 3, Jared Goff, whatever. Number 4, Drew Brees. Number 5, Deshaun Watson. Number six, Russell Wilson. Number seven, Lamar Jackson. Number eight, Aaron Rodgers. Number nine, tied with Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, Mitchell Trubisky. So he's right there. He's like seventh in 18 and 19 in total wins with 19 wins. You know, and his numbers aren't even that bad. You know, he just wasn't that awful. And I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, is it possible with this team that Mitchell Trubisky with a more creative coaching staff, is successful. My goodness, I don't know, man. I've been ready to bet against him, and I probably think that's the right notion. But boy, oh boy, Chicago showing what a mess they are organizationally, coaching-wise, the whole thing. Maybe it was more Chicago than than Trubisky. He was a high pick. Stranger things have happened. I'd love to see it. It'll be fun. So we'll see what happens. That's what I'm going to watch in that Pittsburgh at Cincinnati game. It is a division game, so I'd be hesitant, but I think I'd rather take the Bengals giving six, but boy, oh boy, could get interesting if Trubisky's a gamer. Love to see it. Next, Baltimore, Ravens go to the New York Jets and Joe Flaccid. I can't believe Joe Flacco is starting football games in this league when there's people who are not starting, like Jimmy G and Gardner Minshew, et cetera. It's just unbelievable. Joe effing Flacco, starting. For the New York Jets, for, for that reason, I think you might know where I'm going to go in this one. But, um, you know the 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 matchup to watch for Baltimore is definitely that second wide receiver. You know, you look at, um, you know Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, they're kind of locked in, you know, as as primary targets. But behind them, you've got a lot of guys there. Um, and the guy I'm looking at and the player on the rise for me for Baltimore is Devin Duvernay. I do think he's got the skill. When he came out, I sort of comped him to a poor man's uh Debo Samuel. I don't think he's quite as as rugged, but he is a returner. He can he's really dangerous with the ball in his hand. Um he you know, he's a pretty skilled little player. So, look, if he's 80% Debo in that offense. I mean, if you'd plop Debo in that offense, obviously it'd be unbelievable. I think some of the things that they want to do, I mean, you know, little jet sweeps, little handoffs, little pitches, little so you know, the sort of funny stuff that they like to do that they can do with Devin Duvernay could be very, very useful with what else they've got. Because obviously they've got, like I mentioned, Andrews and Bateman. I think he could fit right in there. And if he does, he could be a a player on the rise after week one, especially if he could score a touchdown. That would make his uh, value skyrocket. For the Jets, my goodness, this backfield. Brees Hall, I mean, his stock has been falling ever since, uh, you know, the draft, you know, from from that moment. He was the 1.01, pretty clear for most and for myself as well. But, you know it's testing us, isn't it? And it's going to test us a lot. Like we had to do with Jonathan Taylor and other, you know, uh, lead backs, you know, you wonder, Hey, is this guy ever going to do it? You know, I mean, we get real fickle. I think there's going to be some fickle Brees hall owners, because I think it's going to be a split backfield coming out with Michael Carter. So that's a matchup to watch for the, for their riser though, man, I think Braxton Berrios is going to be starting in the slot and, Joe Flacco, probably going to throw it to the open guy real close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, And so I'm I'm keeping an eye on Braxton Berrios. And side note, Tyler Conklin, I think uh, there's been more and more good good news coming from New York Jets. And Michael B. Duncan did share that with us a couple weeks ago uh, in terms of Tyler Conklin. More and more goodness coming from Tyler Conklin. He also will be close to the line of scrimmage for Joe Flaccid to connect with. Bro, Joe Flacco with that shitty offensive line against the Ravens, my goodness! Give me the Ravens laying seven. They're gonna they're gonna curb stomp this Jets team. That's at least my prediction. You know, it's gonna be like thirty-one to seven. Don't even don't even seven points. Yeah, make it ten. I'm taking the taking the Ravens on the road against the shitbag Jets. No bias, no bias. I swear, it's all just uh, hashtag analytics with that take. Hey, moving on. Another divisional game. I like this one. New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. Matchup to watch for the Saints. You know, I'm kind of curious how they deploy Taysom Hill. You know, it's kind of like they're a solved equation, too. They got Michael Thomas, Olave, and Landry. I feel like they're just going to, you know, provided Michael Thomas isn't, you know, hurt or dead, in which case they're going to bring in some sort of, you know, whether it be Traquan or Callaway. But I think those three start and, you know, they play. And then, of course, Kamara's Kamara. You know, Winston's going to be starting. So it's like, okay, well, what about that tight end role? And I look there and I see Troutman. Troutman's a hell of a blocker. He's been a really good all-around tight end. And I know some people like him as a sort of a fantasy asset. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I think with all those other weapons, if you're Jameis, you're not looking for Troutman. But Taysom is interesting because he could do things like throw touchdown passes, run, you know, and, and, and receive. So from a tight end position, if you're Taysom Hill and you're throwing and catching and running, he could actually return a ton of value. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy Taysom Hill. You know, is it just a couple of series here and there, or is he kind of an H back, you know, move tight end type of guy, you know, sort of almost like a fourth wide receiver when they're looking to play fast. I mean, that's a pretty interesting, you know, uh, uh, Lineup if they have you know Olave Michael Thomas and Landry with Camara and then Taysom you know with with Jameis on the field and Taysom now really you know the 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 pitch pass the 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 jet sweep he can you know he can do a lot and put pressure on the defense uh, I'm not sure if the offense uh, you know coaching is creative enough to to deploy him. Real effectively, but I will be watching to see if Taysom gets some snaps and how they choose to utilize him in this game. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, for the Falcons, again, going to the running back position, it's can Cordell Patterson fend off the the rookie and Tyler Algier and even the sort of wily veteran Damian Williams? I think, you know, for my money, I'm keeping Patterson on the field almost at all times. I think if, you know, if he's not the running back, I'd rather him over Olamide Zacchaeus as the sort of third wide receiver you know, or even second wide receiver will get there. But, um, you know, and maybe first if Drake London doesn't play. Oh, my God. So I, I think Patterson should be on the field at all times. And when you spell him, it's almost like, you know, he should be playing a lot of wide receivers. So I, I think Patterson could also be a very sneaky play again this year. You know, he's approaching 32 or 33 years old, but he was really effective last year. And uh, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't continue to be again this year. Breakout player on the rise. I mean, I don't know. In uh, in New Orleans, is really hard to find one. I'm just going to talk. Take this moment to talk about Chris Olave, who I do think is probably at least as likely as any other player uh, in the NFL to be the number one scoring rookie wide receiver. I just can't find anybody else who I would like more. Maybe Drake London, but you know, I think Olave is going to be involved. He's just going to be on the field a lot. Um, I think you know. A lot of times people say, "Well, what about Thomas and Landry?" I think that actually helps him. You know, It takes the pressure off. He doesn't have to be the number one guy. He's just going to be out there doing things he's good at, and uh, he might be open. I think he's going to be open. Uh, he got open in college. I think he's going to get open in the NFL, and Jameis is not afraid to let it fly. So Olave could be a big play this year. And on the other side, you know, I can't quit you. I just can't. I can't quit Brian Edwards. And <clears throat> you know, with Drake London out there or with Drake London not out there, Brian Edwards stands to have a pretty good target share he was another guy who looked really good. You know, you know, you'd watch the, uh, the the Raiders last year and I'd be like, was that Waller or was that Edwards? And sometimes Edwards would make these big plays down the field, go up and get it and run after the catch. Like, I don't know, man. I think this kid actually might be a good football player. Why he hasn't really broken out. Well, you know, it could be something between the years. I have no idea. I don't know the kid, but you know, I'm pulling for him and, and he's got a, a nice runway to break out and and approach a hundred targets if he's good at all. So Brian Edwards could be also a big week one guy again, if Drake London doesn't play. So obviously we know Pitts is awesome, but you know, someone else has got to be targeted. Uh, Brian Edwards in line to be that guy. So, um, you know, keep an eye on that. Saints are, are favored by five and a half. Um, Yeah. The, the roster disparity between these two, I think the saints have one of the best rosters up and down offense and defense In the NFL, I think the Falcons are right there with the Bears as one of the worst rosters. For that reason, I'd be more than happy to lay the five and a half on the road with the Saints. Give me the Saints minus five and a half against a very, very undermanned Falcons team. Now we get to the good ones. Well, let's do one more. One more bad one before we get to the good ones. The Giants at the Titans. Uh... Do we even want to talk about? I mean, who's watching this game? Who's going to be like, let's, Giants Titans, let's do it, let's watch it. I mean, they're on in the afternoon against some really amazing games. Who's going to be sitting there going, no, 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 dude, Giants Titans? My goodness. I probably won't see a single play in this game. Like, probably won't, probably won't watch a single play. If it's on, I'll be frustrated. Uh, but <laughs> if and when I go back and watch it, or if and when I look at this box score ever, I'm going to be looking at, the matchup in New York of Kenny Galladay versus actually playing like that's going to be interesting. Kenny Galladay versus whether or not he can still effectively play on an NFL football field. This is unbelievable how far we've come in just one calendar year, you know, just before last season, he was a high priced, uh, you know, signing, you know, got all the money and we questioned whether or not he was worth it or not. I mean, I don't think he was at all, but He was still that guy. He was the number one free agent wide receiver on the market last year. Now we're wondering if he can play at all. Wow, what a fall from grace. And I did have him rostered in some of my uh, dynasty leagues. So that's that's when you're holding the bag, just going, oh, my God. I had probably a guy I could have sold for close to a first. Now I can't get close to a third for him. So quite a fall in value for Kenny Galladay. And he's going to be, you know, Competing with now Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard back from the Achilles. Darius Slayton is buried, but, you know, still some other, uh, you know, guys who are very eager to get on that football field. (coughs) Excuse me. In Tennessee. Hey, it's that running back usage, right? We had Julius Chestnut makes the team same way Jordan Mason made the team because they're really good, as I told you. And they make that team because they're really good. Well, they're also undrafted and buried. So they probably won't play. So it's, you know, Hilliard and Haskins and Chestnut. Obviously, we know that uh, Derrick Henry, when healthy, is going to get all of it. Well, is he healthy? Like, right? So if they give Derrick Henry just like 50% uh, of the touches, which, by the way, let's get to the team line here. Tennessee favored by five and a half. Give Give me Tennessee. Give me Tennessee. I do not want this Giants team on the road. Daniel Jones on the road versus that Tennessee secondary with his weapons. Uh uh-uh. uh, no effing way! Absolutely not. I think Tennessee picks him off a couple of times, maybe one to the house. Tennessee at home, big over the Giants. That being said, if that's the case, Tennessee running back usage should be interesting. Do they just keep Derrick Henry in the game if they if they've got it handily, or do they go? You know, hey, rest that foot, let those steel plates set in there for you, big boy, and bring in one of these uh, one of these secondary backs. Right. Who do they go to? Very, very interesting question. I would love to see some Julius Chestnut in this game. Obviously, I'll be watching close to see if Julius Chestnut gets in the end zone. Love it. Let's go. Um, but the uh, the the sort of the breakout players on on this team, I think, is uh, Daniel Bellinger. He's been he's been quiet. He was named the starter, basically, and but had a concussion, wasn't playing. They weren't sure if he was going to clear all this. He's cleared. He's playing. So I think he's going to be the starting tight end for this team. And I just mentioned their secondary is pretty dope. Maybe Bellinger gets some looks. I think he could shoot up in value as well. So player on the rise, Daniel Bellinger. I think he was suppressed a little bit last couple of weeks in value because we weren't sure. He didn't play preseason, didn't do anything, didn't show anything. So Daniel Bellinger. On the other side, it's Kyle Phillips. You know, Nick Westbrook-Akine, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks. Looks like those are your starters, but are we really sure Westbrook-Akine is going to just hold off Phillips? Maybe this game, maybe for a few weeks, but maybe not forever. And uh, who knows? Maybe Burks isn't quite ready. Maybe Phillips is a pro-ready guy, not as talented as Burks. Maybe he plays. So between those four guys, look, if Phillips gets in there and plays, you know, 40, 50% of the snaps in one fashion or another and makes a big play, his stock will rise for sure. And I think he's a guy that you should probably go out and, and, and get anyway. Cause at some point I do think it's gonna be Burks, Phillips and woods. Akine will probably fade as he's nobody, right? I mean, he's named the starter now, but it's not like he was some sort of superstar to begin with. So um, that's, that's that game. Now for the big boys, there's some really awesome afternoon games and evening and Monday night. Just awesome. All the good, all the good stuff is right now. Kansas city at Arizona, like this is the by the way these are all the games you want to target for fantasy. I mean if you're, you know, this is where you want to be. So obviously everybody's going to be looking at these games, but Kansas City got to look at that wide receiver room. You know, what's going to happen with the target distribution for Juju, MVS, Mikal Hardman, Sky Moore, Justin Watson, right? These five guys, nobody has a a, a clear role in terms of, you know, uh with uh Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, yeah, I understand Nicole was there, but that's basically it. i mean, you know uh m v s never played with him. Juju's never played with him. Sky Moore's a rookie, Justin Watson's new. Justin Watson and Patrick Mahomes, as I previously pointed out, have developed a relationship on field uh, so I like Justin Watson, he's kind of the guy i'm <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking for as a player on the rise. you know Sky Moore's a rookie, Michaelle Hardman is not a good wide receiver. MVS is a field stretcher. Juju is a player. But I think Watson could find his way on the, on the, on the field, on the outside, downfield, making a big play. And if he makes one big play and scores, that's enough for his stock to rise big time. So if you don't have Justin Watson on the back of your dynasty roster, go get him now and put him on the back of your dynasty roster. Because any wide receiver who is targeted by Patrick Mahomes could break out. And that means that that is including Justin Watson. <clears throat> in terms of Arizona, the matchup I'm looking at, hey man, James Connor, you know, there's all these splits with and without Chase Edmonds last year. Well, they brought in Daryl Williams. They have Eno Benjamin. Does Eno or Daryl I don't think it's going to be Keontae. I don't think they they elevate him that quickly. I just don't. I'd love to see it by the way. But I'm looking at the secondary running back usage. You know, we kind of know what Connor's going to be, but I think we can also, it's fair to say that if we were betting on a starting running back to get hurt, it would be like Henry, CMC, Dalvin, and Connor would be up there for sure. You know, he's up there for sure to get hurt. So if he does and when he does, who's next in line? I mean, you know, I'd like to see what they do with some of the pass down work. Does Eno sort of play like uh, Edmonds last year? I don't think so, but it's possible. There's some scuttlebutt of him sort of being that second back in terms of the depth chart. We'll have to see what they do with backup running back duties, long down and distance, third down, pass pass game, all that stuff. I want to see what the Arizona Cardinals do at that second wide receiver position. Uh, In terms of their breakout, I was going back and forth, but it could be Trey McBride, right? I mean, maybe Trey McBride, maybe Rondell Moore, but Trey McBride – you know if if, if um, Ertz hasn't been playing, his calf is not good. He's not cleared yet. It's freaking Thursday, Friday here. I mean, look, McBride, Max Williams. I mean, McBride could get a chance to chance to go. All of the uh, Zach Ertz with a ton of targets early on in the season because DeAndre Hopkins is out takes are starting to freeze. And maybe it's Trey McBride who's that player in the first six weeks who finds himself some targets in this offense. Stranger things have happened. And, you know, Trey McBride was the number one tight end, drafted number one tight end on everybody's board. And if he gets on that field in a wide open, high powered offense with a really efficient, prolific quarterback, uh, it could it could pop off here. So Trey McBride speculative speculative ad in deeper redraft leagues. And uh, obviously he's rostered in every dynasty league, but he could pop moving on. This one's huge. The big I think it's like the biggest game of the week Green Bay at Minnesota. I mean, if Minnesota has any plans of winning this division, isn't this the game they need at home against the you know the, the team that's won like 13 games like three years straight or something like that? Like they need to win this game, which probably tells me probably tells me they won't. But um their home home field advantage has been great since they moved into the new stadium. They've got a new coaching staff. Uh, a little bit more progressive offensively. Um, they get Irv Smith back. they Justin Jefferson is uh, uh, you know approaching his Uber apex. Dalvin Cook is healthy because it's week one. Um, Cousins, one of the most underrated players I've ever seen he, and, and I know why because he loses every big game, every national televised game it's unbelievable. It's, it's really unbelievable. Uh, I think if we pull up the splits with him in every other game except for like primetime games, it would be the most disparaging difference I've ever seen in my life. He just absolutely face plants in those games, but I do like Minnesota getting two and a half points at home. Getting two and a half points at home, I love it. Uh, it's probably a field goal game, so you could lose the hard way there. Just you know, you know, thirty-one, thirty-four, they lose, and you lose the you know the two and a half. I think that's why it's there. But Minnesota getting points at home and a must-win when they're feeling it, everybody healthy. I love it. But getting to the matchup to watch, I think, for Green Bay, it's like AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones. We've all had the takes. We all, we, you know, they they played it all last year. Does AJ Dillon take another step forward and marginalize AJ? Uh, excuse me, Aaron Jones. They're both AJ, right? Um, <clears throat> or do we see Aaron Jones sort of take some back because you know Devontae's gone? They're going to want him on the field more as that veteran leader. I don't know. Are they going to play two backs sometimes? That backfield is the one to watch. You know. Uh, does, does AJ Dillon continue to get targets? Very, very interesting. I'm watching that backfield. Look, the, the pass catchers there, boy, oh boy. I suppose that's pretty interesting too. This green Bay team is not a solved equation and I'll get there to my breakout. You're going to love it. Uh, but Minnesota, you know, they are a solved equation, right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's so clear what they're doing. You know, Dalvin Cook is their, is their leader in the running game. Justin Jefferson gets every target unless he's, triple covered, and then it goes to Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and Irv Smith. Irv Smith is my breakout and uh player on the rise. I think, you know, we've sort of forgotten about him. He's the new Amari Cooper in terms of age. I think he's still only like 18 years old. He I think he really is like only 23 or 24. It's unbelievable. He played two years, missed a year, and he's still like 24. It's unbelievable. So he's still a young player, lots of career in front of him. So he can have a breakout this year and still uh, be a young player to roster. So he's a player on the rise. I'd probably go trade for him right now. Last chance, last chance, Irv Smith on the block. Go get him. Um, K.J. Osborne also should be a very useful sort of uh, best ball play and DFS play. Uh, K.J. Osborne, undervalued, but um, you know, still the third target in that passing game at, at best. Um, in Green Bay, player on the rise. We know who it's going to be. You guys are sitting there going, it's Romeo Dubs, isn't it? It's Romeo Dubs. No, no, no. It's Christian Watson. It's Christian Watson. Dude, it's Alan Lazard. No, 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 no. It's Randall Cobb, uh, Aaron Rodgers' old buddy. No, it's none of those guys. It's not Robert Tanyan. It's none of those guys. It's Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. You know it. He's going to go for nine, 202, and three touchdowns in week one, right? And then never be heard from again. This is... A tale as old as time. Sammy Watkins in DFS week one. Got to do it. How can you not do it? It's happening. Every year. It's like Groundhog Day or Christmas. It just comes every year. We know it's going to happen. Sammy Watkins week one. Cocktease. That's what it is. It's coming. The Sammy Watkins tease. It's coming. So Watch out for Sammy Watkins. Moving on. The Las Vegas Raiders going to the Los Angeles Chargers. This will not be a home game for the Chargers, as there will be more Raider fans in that building than Charger fans. Book it. This is going to be a home game for the Raiders. Yet the Chargers are favored by three and a half. I'd stay the hell away from betting this game on the line. No way. If anything, just bet the over. I'm not even looking at what the over is. Bet the over. This game is going to be a shootout. They Going for on fourth down, uh, you know, Staley and the whole thing. Herbert. Car the weapons the whole thing. I just think they're going to go for it. Um, well, who knows? You never know. But I, I'm staying away from betting this game altogether. It's all about the matchups to watch on both sides of this running back usage situation, right? For the Raiders, even more so. Look at the Raiders: Josh Jacobs, Zamir White, uh, Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden, Josh McDaniels. Now in in tow, bringing that sort of Patriots mentality. Is it is it Josh McDaniels? mentality to use those backs that way. It certainly seems it. That's why they got Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdul in the first place. They both made the team. Certainly feels like he's brought them in as James White guys. And Zamir White certainly feels like a guy who's like, a you know, a LeGarrette Blount type who didn't catch passes in college. He seems like a hammer. Josh Jacobs had not been used as a receiver. No no reason thinking that Josh McDaniel is going to find it with this guy. So I really think it's going to be very interesting to watch how Josh McDaniels deploys his running backs, and I think it's going to be very role specific. I know I'm not the first person to say this, but what if it what if it doesn't go that way? We got to keep an eye on that, and that goes in line with the player on the rise could very well be Zamir White. Is it really not possible that they like Zamir White better than Josh Jacobs? It's in the realm of possibilities. Now it may not happen week one. I get it, but I'm still planting my flag that it's possible. You know, I just don't know. You know, it could be 50-50 with those two. I have no clue. And that's the whole point is when you don't know, lean into the uncertainty. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what happens with that Raiders backfield and who gets what. Chargers backfield, same thing. I mean, we know what Eckler is, but they brought in Sony Michelle. Joshua Kelly started to look better than a dead man. And Isaiah Spiller is yeah, you know, come on. He's an average running back. I mean, we were saying that since the beginning of the process. I couldn't find anybody that could give me a good reason why he was good other than, come on, man, he's good. That was the best take. So uh, Isaiah Spiller, merely average, and now he's competing with a couple other average running backs. Well, which one of those average shitbags gets the usage behind Austin Eckler? I'm I'm putting my chip on Sony Michel. I mean, he's the guy who's actually done it in the league before. Joshua Kelly's not good. And Isaiah Spiller couldn't outplay Joshua Kelly. So for me, give me give me Sony Michel, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, watch. Now it's going to be uh, Isaiah Spiller for 20 for uh, for 100. No, it's not happening. Uh breakout player against Samir White on the Chargers. Got to love got to love Josh Palmer, right? Here's a passing attack Justin Herbert, it's either Josh Palmer or Gerald Everett, right? One of these two guys would seemingly be the guy that's going to step forward and, and catch some passes. You know, Gerald Everett in the Jared Cook role could be him. So one of those two guys I'd be keeping my eye on uh, as a guy who can, who can break out and, and rise to the top uh, after week one. Again, stay away from this game. Do not bet it. You're a crazy person. Stay away. Down to the last two games. Both outstanding games. Sunday night football. Oh, my God. Football's back in Big D. It's going to be so good. Tampa Bay Bucks at Dallas. I mean, come on. You know, I was raised a Cowboy fan. My families are all Cowboys fans, but I'm a Patriots fan, of course. And Tom Brady going into Dallas. This is going to be so much fun on Sunday night. My goodness. In terms of what I'm keeping my eye, eyes on is that Tampa Bay passing attack, those, those wide receivers. By the way, in this, in this game, both Chris Godwin and Michael Gallup, Both of them popped their ACL late. Both of them kept themselves off the four-week PUP. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable how these guys get back from these ACLs. Chris Godwin and Michael Gallup not appearing on the PUP is a fucking miracle. Sounds like Chris Godwin's going to play week one. Uh, Doesn't sound like Gallup will, but... If he's not playing week one, he's not in the pup. He's probably playing week two or three. You'd think so. I mean, he's on his way back quickly as well. So very, very um, interesting to see both those players avoid the pup in Tampa Bay. That does leave a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> yeah, in Tampa, when I did my um, <clears throat> my projections for this team, you know, you put Tom Brady upwards of six hundred and fifty to seven hundred pass attempts. I mean, he went over seven hundred last year, so anywhere in the six fifty plus is not uh, unreasonable at all. Um, And when you do that, you know, you give Mike Evans not even like basically 20% target share. He's at 130 targets. You give Chris Godwin not even 18%. He's at 115. You give Julio just over 12%. He's at 81 targets. Russell Gage, 10%, 65 targets. So, I mean, you could find a way. Leonard Fournette, Rashad White, 11% and 7%. They're at 75 and 50 targets. I guess my point is, is there's some there's some ceiling target outcomes for this wide receiver group that we might not even see coming. You know, Cameron Braid, I put him for 6%. It's 40 targets. Like, that's pretty good. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. Like, pretty good for 6%. So, ultimately, what I'm getting at is there's a lot of targets to go around. It should be a high-volume high pass attack. And so, when you have Evans, Godwin, uh, Julio, and Gage, I think they're all going to be – Somewhat playable from here, 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 and there. It's very interesting. Week one, I think Godwin will likely be a guy who doesn't play a full complement of snaps. Maybe Godwin and Gage are going to sort of share some time. Julio's getting older. I don't think he's going to be, you know, 100% snap share guy at any point during the season. You know, I think eventually. Godwin and Evans will sort of be the cream that rises to the top. Evans, knock on wood, has been very durable, so he'll probably just plant himself as the one of those outside receivers. And Julio can spell him there, here, and there. But basically, you know, Mike Evans, you know, twenty percent target share or more. If Godwin and Evans can get there, they can both go one thirty or more, and then the other guys still have plenty of room to eat. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to be interested to see how they deploy them. Do they play any four wide receiver sets? I'm not sure. You know, it's going to be interesting because they don't really have a tight end of of consequence. Do they just decide to spread it out and play that way? I I don't know. I don't know if uh, schematically that's going to favor them. Uh, You know, they might want to leave, you know, a guy in to help block for Brady uh, as they do want to make sure that he stays healthy. Four wide with a a running back out in the pattern puts Brady at, uh, you know, puts him in some danger. Um, You know, so I think that, that may not happen very often. So um, we're going to see, I think a little bit more three wide receiver sets with obviously one of them being on the side, line, one of those four gentlemen. So that's going to be interesting to see for Dallas. Look, Hey, Gallup's coming back. So that means CD and Gallup are going to be starters on the outside. Um, maybe CD in the slot sometimes for sure, you know, right. Which is great. Good for him, but he's going to play a lot. Um, but in that interim, who's that other guy? You know, I've been pounding the table for Tolbert because I wasn't sure when Gallup would be back. So I thought even if there was another guy who sort of poked in there with with Tolbert, it would be Tolbert and whomever. And I was thinking about Noah Brown. And now Noah Brown is listed as the starter over Jalen Tolbert, which is very interesting. So Jalen Tolbert starting to feel a little bit more like a later season come on than an early season guy who can who can assert himself. But with Gallup probably not playing, it could be Brown, Tolbert, and CD, in three wide receiver sets with Dalton Schultz at tight end. But we've also heard Tony Pollard might be a a player who could play with Ezekiel Elliott as sort of a second back slot guy. I don't know how much uh, we can believe that. We don't see it very often in the NFL, so I'm not so sure. But it's possible. And so I'll be watching this Noah Brown, Jalen Tolbert, snap share, target share, the whole thing, where they play, who's in the slot. You know, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, One of those guys, uh, very, very likely to break out and very, very likely to see a lot of targets during the course of the season. It could very well be Noah Brown over Jalen Tolbert. So my Tolbert love getting crashed against the rocks potentially, but we'll see. But that's why we watch. You got to be ready to be wrong. So if I'm wrong about Jalen Tolbert and his potentially, uh, you know, high volume opportunity, I'm ready to change course. Go, Go grab Noah Brown. Uh, You know, so anyway, that's where I'm looking. Uh, Maybe both of these guys end up disappointing over the course of the season, but I think one of them is going to get some looks here in week one uh, when they're forced to throw the football or at least forced to score. And I don't think they're going to be able to run against this stout Tampa Bay front. So lots of pass attempts going up in this game. Bet the over. I don't think Dallas's defense is quite as good. Um, They're going to have a hard time. Dallas, that is, uh, stopping the Tampa Bay pass rush. I do like Tampa in this game, minus two and a half on the road in Dallas. Uh just too much for, for, from my perspective. Um the breakout players, the the risers, man, that's Rashad White and, and Tony Pollard. And we're talking about Tony Pollard, a guy who's pretty steadily drafted uh, you know, as a as a running back three. I don't care. I think he could be I mean, he's really good. He's really effective. They love him in the pass game. They're they have minimal pass weapons. So I think they're gonna find ways to get him in the in the offense in the pass game. I, I think Tony Pollard's gonna be huge. And the other guy, of course, my other guy is Rashad White. There's a little bit of talk about hey, we want to limit, you know, Fournette's usage in the regular season. They, hey, they run a lot of plays. Both these teams remember, super fast paced, which is why we want to bet the over in this game. But super fast paced, what that means is with Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette. Guys who are past the the, uh, the dynasty curve, they're on the backside. They're coming down the hill. You don't want to put them in overexerting situations where they can increase their injury risk. You want to spell them, and they have the perfect backs to do it. Rashad White and Tony Pollard, pass-catching backs who can play any down and distance and go out there and make big explosive plays. Love both Tony Pollard and Rashad White to just have awesome seasons whether or not Zeke or Fournette get hurt, if either of them do get hurt, holy smokes. Pollard and Rashad White both have league-winning upside, and really, if they get hurt, honestly, running back one overall from that point on, upside. That's how great the opportunity is and I, how good I, uh, these players, I think they are anyway. So that's that Tampa Bay at Dallas. We'll finish in Seattle, sleepless, sleeping in Seattle. Um Denver to Seattle. Russell Wilson gets to go to Seattle and break Seattle's heart. Just one last time, just one more kiss goodnight for Seattle, as I think Denver's going to go in there and curb stomp Seattle. Um, Seattle will be <laughs> choosing between uh, or, you know uh, Drew Locke or Geno Smith. It sounds like they're going to start with Geno Smith. Choose your fighter, And it's not going to be good, I don't think. Um, Denver team was good last year. They had a pretty good squad. And they did have Drew Locke as their quarterback. And they were still pretty good. Now they go from Drew Locke to checks Notes. Russell Wilson, who's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the history of the league. Give him Cortland Sutton. Give him Jerry Judy. Give him Albert O. My goodness. Matchup to watch here is the Javante Melvin Gordon matchup. We do believe that Javante Williams is going to take a step forward, and that Melvin Gordon was brought back. I, I just said this on a couple of pods this week. Melvin Gordon was brought back on a very minimal—I uh, was like two million bucks. I, I said it this way on Nate Liss's pod. For those who caught it, I'll repeat it. But check it out. Last year, if you just look at two isolated seasons, like just pretend they're not related. Like last year, Javante Williams was a rookie playing uh, on a team where there was this veteran who was still on the team, a well-paid veteran who was still playing well. And as a rookie, he split carries with that guy. The next year, Javante Williams was the incumbent future superstar. And they just added this guy to the team, a veteran, an aging veteran for 2 million bucks. Like the story is a different story. You know, it's not the same story. So why would it be the same result? And I'll say this. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, they're going to give him 80, 90%. Look, you don't even have to do that. Look, they both had 203 carries last year. If you just take one or two carries from Melvin Gordon per game, one or two per game and give them to Javante, and one target per game and give it to Javante, Javante would have had, let's just say, right, let's say, you know, one carry per game is 17, two is 34. Let's just say it's like 25. Javante would have had uh, 230 carries and Melvin Gordon would have had 170 or 175, 230 to 170. And then the targets, if you gave one target, Javante would have had uh, 70 targets and Melvin Gordon would have about 25. So, I mean, just one little Couple little plays here and there just stretch this out a ton. As it was last year, they both had 203 carries and Javante out targeted him 53 to 38. I think you just pull those numbers a little bit, not a lot. Just talking about, you know, 60 or 70 targets for Javante and 220, 230 carries. That's it. Just a little bit more and a little bit less for Melvin. I think he's going to be 150 to 170 carries and 20 or 30 targets. Like No big deal, but just that little bit of a difference. And then add to that the efficiency that we should see from this offense. Javante scored th- uh, seven total touchdowns, four on the ground. I think he's going to push 10 on the ground and maybe a couple more in the air. I mean, it's just going to be a better season for Javante this year. Also, he they both ran for about four and a half yards per attempt, again, with a quarterback who was not threatening them with the deep ball and a quarterback that was not threatening them with his legs. Now you add both to a team that's going to convert more third downs, run more plays, score more touchdowns. This is Javante Williams' season. doesn't mean that Melvin doesn't hurt him a little bit, but not as much as the public thinks. So whenever Javante is available for you to draft or trade for, just go the fuck ahead and do that because Javante is going to eat this year. So there you go. That's the case for Javante Williams, but I'll be watching the Melvin Gordon-Javante Williams split. They couldn't have split it more evenly. They literally did 203, 203 attempts. They chopped it in half. I do not suspect they will do that in game one, and I don't suspect they'll do it all season. Now, if they're curb stomping them, maybe they'll pull, who knows, right? But I'm just talking, we're going to watch and see exactly what happens. In Seattle, (laughs) You know, it's kind of like which guy's gonna be on the bench, Locke or Geno? It's just gonna be rough to watch. Um, I don't think either guy is prolific enough to hang with with uh with most of these NFL teams, especially with Pete Carroll as the coach, uh, you know, sort of playing 1982 Smash Mouth is not gonna work with uh Geno Smith or Drew Locke. So good luck. Uh breakout. The breakout in Denver, <laughs> aside from obviously Javante Williams, because you just heard that that tale is also. Albert Okuibunum. I've been singing this song all off season. I was singing it when Noah Fant was still there. I, I love Albert O. I think Albert O was the number one tight end in that, in that class. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, Troutman and commit, you know, forget about it. It was Albert O the whole time. He somehow miraculously fell to the fourth or fifth round. I remember exactly where late fourth, early fifth. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Why that happened erroneously. And uh, so here we are with Albert O in this offense and I'm telling you, man, if he doesn't fire, then he's terrible. But he's not terrible. He's gonna fire. He's the guy. And then the last one I'm gonna leave you with. I've said it once or twice on this show, but in Seattle, you know, if you look at their passing game, you know they've got Noah Fant at tight end with Will Disley. I think they're both gonna play a bit, and Will Disley could eat some of Noah Fant, uh, not 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 him as a person, some of his production. And then you know you've got uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Well, let's face it, there are certainly the alphas there. But after that, you're talking about Tutu Atwell or whatever. um, Not much to climb over for an absolute beast in Darik. I think that's how you say his name. It's a cool fucking name either way. Darik Young? I mean, come on. This guy's a 6'3", 225-pound monster who runs a blaze. He's basically DK Metcalf incarnate, with, without any of the college production or, or profile. But honestly, as a physical specimen, he's right there. He's unbelievable. Played at Lenore Ryan, came from nowhere, made the team. Again, another guy just like Jordan Mason and Julius Chestnut. You see these guys all the time, and you wonder if they're going to make the team. They never seem to make it. Well, those guys all made the team this year. And I think Derek Young could find his way into meaningful snaps if he can just make a play or two, if he just makes a play or two, if he can get on the field and find a way to make a play. The problem of course, is that he's going to be open deep and the odds of Geno Smith getting it to him. Not good, not good at all, but good luck in week one. I hope you enjoyed the solo pod. It's the first time I've ever done it. Um, I hope it was good. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't able to make fun of the guest cause obviously he's unflappable. You know, the guest was fucking unbelievable. Thank you for coming on, Jax Falcone. You were outstanding. Probably the best guest I've ever had on the show. Why, thank you. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. And I will say, on behalf of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, especially me, and on behalf of the greatest producer the world has ever seen, Michael P. Duncan, I am Jax Falcone, and we are are out.